0: You're listening to SBS News. It's been a year of health battles, restrictions, lockdowns and deaths. But as scientists work to find treatments, vaccines and disease eradicating drugs, the future is looking brighter for those living with illness and for those fearful of coming down with new health struggles. This is your 2022 Year in Health. After researching Alzheimer's disease for more than 30 years, scientists finally reported they have a drug which slows down Alzheimer's disease. In a study, 1,800 people in the earliest stages of the mind-robbing disease were intravenously given lecanemab or a dummy infusion, over 18 months. Lecanemab recipients were 31% less likely to advance to the next stage of the disease during the study. In the early 90s, John Hardy, who's now a professor of neuroscience at University College London's Institute of Neurology, was part of a team that first found the amyloid mutation in Alzheimer's disease. Their hypothesis was right. If you could clear amyloid away from the brain, there could be a beneficial clinical effect. For Alzheimer's disease, I think that we can see that we are turning the curve uh, and it's going to get better. For me, it's it seems definitely momentous. I think for patients, it's a, a real step forward, a real step forward. And um, uh, it's going to take a couple of years to get it into the system. And I'm sure there are going to be better drugs coming along now we know what to do. It will make things finding the next drug A bit easier, well, a lot easier. As winter crossed the globe, doctors expected spikes in coronavirus cases. But in China, where the ruling Communist Party was enforcing a zero-COVID policy, the number of cases soared. Although most young people had been vaccinated, the elderly hadn't, which meant lockdowns or other restrictions were repeatedly enforced. By the end of November, people were protesting in the streets and clashing with police officers who were ready to cart those with COVID to internment camps. Uh Scientists around the world warned the zero COVID policy was not working. Professor Annalise Wilder-Smith, an infectious diseases researcher from London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, explains that Chinese communities weren't being allowed to build up their immunity. In my mind, there's no other option. You have to allow this virus to circulate. You have to build up some, some you know, natural immunity. Then, in a dramatic about turn, on the seventh of December, the ruling Communist Party announced it would roll back rules on isolating people with COVID-19 and it dropped test requirements for some public places. A change in strategy that confined millions of people to their homes since 2019. A warm summer in Europe saw people out on the streets and at entertainment venues they'd missed during pandemic restrictions, but it also saw a surge in cases of COVID-19 driven by a new subvariant. It was called BA5, one of the latest subvariants of the original Omicron lineage. At one stage in July, the World Health Organization warned coronavirus cases had tripled across Europe and accounted for nearly half of all infections globally. As parts of Europe began easing lockdown measures in the summer of 2020, doctors became aware of patients who are not recovering fully and who are suffering long-term symptoms. In September, a study commissioned by the World Health Organization estimated 17 million people across Europe are living with symptoms of long COVID. Modeling by WHO researchers claimed a 307% increase in new long COVID cases identified between 2020 and 2021. Dr Catherine Smallwood from the WHO's Europe office says it's vital that doctors and health services around the world acknowledge what patients are telling them and treatments must be found. This is a real disease, it must be recognized and it must be treated. Another result of the pandemic, according to two studies carried out in 2022, is an increase in alcohol consumption. Two studies commissioned by the UK's National Health Service found people who drank heavily drank more during the pandemic and were continuing to drink heavily post-COVID-19 restrictions. Just as people were beginning to look forward to summer festivals in 2022, cases emerged of another virus which was endemic in parts of Africa, but had not been widespread outside the continent. Monkeypox, as it was known, could be identified by a rash which starts with raised spots. Public health workers explained the virus was spreading through prolonged and close skin-to-skin contact, as well as sharing bedding, towels and clothing. Professor Lawrence Young from the University of Warwick Medical School was among many infectious disease specialists who were confident it was possible to contain it. My feeling is that this is something that has been in the population at a low level for quite a long time and we're just seeing increased levels of infection. In November, the WHO decided the name monkeypox was prompting racist and stigmatising language aimed at communities affected by the virus. The name is to be phased out globally to MPOX, or MPX. The type of virus identified in the outbreak was rarely fatal, and people usually recovered within weeks. By the end of July, the global monkeypox outbreak has seen more than 22,000 cases in nearly 80 countries. MPX and COVID-19 have raised awareness around the world of zoonotic diseases that are passed between animals and human beings. More than half of all human infections such as malaria, Ebola and SARS are zoonotic in origin, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. One zoonotic disease scientists are still trying to eradicate is malaria. September brought a record-breaking monsoon to Pakistan, which scrambled teams to deliver aid. Hundreds of thousands of people were displaced as their homes were submerged and large parts of the country stayed underwater. Pakistani health officials reported an outbreak of waterborne diseases like malaria and dengue, which increased the death toll. Children there were also suffering from gastroenteritis and diarrhea. According to the World Malaria Report, released on the 8th of December, 619,000 people lost their lives to malaria in 2021, above 2019 levels when there were 568,000 deaths. This year, scientists have been further developing programs to genetically modify mosquitoes so that they are unable to spread the infection. In Australia, a study has found people who have suffered from a stroke respond better to certain treatments, depending on their ethnicity. The global research involved a team in Melbourne and could help establish an international set of guidelines on treating stroke patients. A stroke occurs when blood flow to the brain is blocked by a clot. The use of the combined treatments, the blood thinning drug and surgery, was the focus of an international study of 300 patients from New Zealand, Australia, China and Vietnam. Professor Peter Mitchell from the Royal Melbourne Hospital took part in the study. He says the study was important because not all stroke patients globally are receiving both treatments. Although both are seen as combined therapy and that was the gold standard, There was a drift towards wanting to stop using uh, the blood thinning agent. But the study reaffirmed the best way to treat stroke was by using both the blood thinning drug and the surgery. This was the final piece of information that should go towards creating guidelines for stroke treatment. Um, As of now, it will put to bed the idea that you should not give the blood thinning drug. You should give both therapies, and that will become... Um, enshrined as the guidelines we anticipate. Also from Australia, a new treatment for inflammatory bowel disease is on the horizon. An Australian scientist who identified a bacteria linked to the condition is now turning his research to the development of a treatment for the debilitating disease. When it comes to inflammatory bowel disease, Australia is making wind using good bacteria to fight bad bacteria. Every eight weeks, Marisa Coniglione goes to the hospital to get an intravenous infusion of drugs to keep the symptoms of her ulcerative colitis at bay. It's a disease she's lived with since she was 11 years old. And despite her bubbly, optimistic outlook, she says it's taken a toll. I couldn't study what I wanted to do because I wasn't at school enough um, from my time off. I can't travel as much as I want to because it's always in the back of your mind if I'm going to get sick or flare up. The disease causes inflammation and ulcers in the large intestine, leading to severe pain and bloody diarrhea. And like the other most common inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's, it's a life-changing diagnosis. And it is one pediatric gastroenterologist, Dr. Ed Giles, has had to deliver all too often. You know, many patients that I look after are affected when they're growing and developing. It can affect their puberty, affect their education, and potentially their future career prospects. And it's increasing all around the world for reasons that we don't fully understand. He says the current treatments like steroids and drugs that target the immune system can have side effects and lose effect over time. It's the long-term solution that Dr. Samuel Forster from the Hudson Institute of Medical Research is trying to develop. He's using microbiome-based medicine that, in layman's terms, uses good bacteria to fight the bad bacteria in the bowel. It's just like picking up bacteria as you would in your daily life, but we're controlling which bacteria you're receiving in such a way that we reduce the chance of getting these flare events and all of the subsequent condition. Inflammatory bowel disease affects about 130,000 Australians. It's incurable, and its cause is still unknown. Dr. Forrester hopes that by identifying the bacteria behind the symptoms, a safe, effective, and targeted treatment for the disease can be developed. What we're trying to do is say, actually, there's a specific bacterial composition that will be beneficial for this particular group of patients. Australia has also been highly involved in autism research, finding cannabis helps alleviate symptoms for those with autism. One in 150 Australians have been diagnosed as having autism. Dr. James Best from the Royal Australasian College of General Practitioners says it's a broad term used to describe particular characteristics that a person might have. Those main characteristics are to have uh, challenges in the way you socialize and the way you communicate and also to have uh, often fixated interests or restricted range of interests and often associated with um, sensory sensitivities as well. Dr Michael Fahey is the Head of Pediatric Neurology at the Monash Medical Centre in Melbourne. He's led a study exploring cannabis as a treatment. 14 children were involved in the 20-week study. So we did a phase 1 trial at Monash Children's Hospital in children with autism. And what we found was the treatment showed an improvement across a range of areas, particularly the worrying symptoms of communication, socialisation, anxiety and meltdowns. And we looked at this using a range of validated scales, as well as asking patients and families what worried them the most about their symptoms at the moment. And across the board, we saw an improvement in these areas. Dr. Fahey says more studies are needed, but cannabis could eventually offer hope to parents of autistic children as researchers work out how it effectively addresses autistic experiences. With less than two weeks to go until 2023, scientists are hoping to find cures for various ailments, and with the studies and research done around the world, the new year may bring the end to some of the world's leading debilitating diseases. This has been your year in health. الصام الغالب اس بي اس نيوز